Novel Pairings, a podcast dedicated to making the classics readable, relevant, and fun. As two nerdy bookworms, we appreciate the role of classic lit, but we won't get too academic about it. We'll talk about the books we love and the books we loathe, and help stock your TBR pile with old and new reads for every literary taste. Today, we're sharing our highly anticipated spring book releases. Hey, Chelsea. Sarah, it's been a while since we did one of these. I know these are always big hits. People like to hear about the books we're excited about. And this is where we in part fulfill our promise to talk about new reads for every literary taste. So these are always really fun. And you always end up putting books I hadn't heard of onto my radar. So I'm excited. Oh gosh, likewise. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like there's a lot of good stuff this season, the upcoming fall, summer and fall season. So we have a lot of anticipated reads, not just for spring. So you can expect some more of these episodes coming soon. Yeah. I, um, a lot of my most anticipated, I think are like late summer. So I kept going to put things on our outline and then being like, oh no, that's actually (laughs) July or whatever. But, but there are some really exciting spring titles and, We want to say upfront, we in the past have sometimes done these where we pair our anticipated releases with backlist titles that are easier to get from your library or um, just easier to track down, get you excited about some of these new titles. Today, we are just sharing the new releases, but on our Patreon feed, we are going to share those backlist pairings. So if you've been considering whether you want to become a patron, this would be a great month to join. Give it a try. Get all of those backlist titles, catch up on some of our backlog, and then hopefully join us for the rest of the semester reading Children's Lit. Sounds good. And there, yeah, there are just too many titles today to talk about, to talk about backlist too. So let's, (laughs) let's get into them. So a couple of February releases that we just wanted to throw out in case you want something that's out immediately. Um, First, a big buzzy one is I Have Some Questions for You by Rebecca Mackay. Chelsea, have you read this one yet or are you planning to? Not yet. I have it in my Libro FM queue and I do plan on reading it because I loved The Great Believers. I really, really loved that book. And I know this is very different, but I like when authors. I was going to say totally different. We always talk about that. (laughs) Yeah. So you've read this one. So I'm excited to hear some of your thoughts on it. I really enjoyed it. The book is about um, Bodie Kane. She is a successful podcaster. She doesn't have quite a true crime podcast, but it is like a like a historical, almost you're wrong about sort of podcast that she has. And she gets invited back to the prep school, high school she attended to teach like a, like a J-term course, a two-week class on podcasting. While she's there, one of the students that she's teaching decides that she wants to do her podcast project on a murder that happened while Bodie was a student there. And it was actually the murder of Bodie's roommate. And so of course, um, all of these like memories for Bodie come back. She starts thinking maybe the wrong person because there was a conviction in this case, maybe the wrong person uh, ended up behind bars. And what are the ethics of that when the family wants the case closed, but there might be an innocent man in prison who has the right and or who has the responsibility for telling these stories. Of course, there's a lot of questions of um, about true crime and ethics, but also Me Too. Um, there's a lot of like old Hollywood stuff, Chelsea, because that's what Bodie's podcast is about. And so um, she brings up some of those stories as well. Um, This book is doing a lot and it's long. I thought some of it was more successful than others, but every component of it was an enjoyable reading experience. I mean, hard things, it's hard to say enjoyable, but like I couldn't put this book down. So I think a lot of our listeners will like it. I'm really excited to pick that one up. 
Okay, I have a book by Christina Forrest, who I think is an author that I've brought up on the podcast a couple of times. She writes really great YA, light, fun, just not like light and fun in a fluffy kind of way, but just, I don't know, like when you need a really breezy read, I really liked her YA. And she wrote an adult contemporary romance novel, and it's very bookish. It's called The Neighbor Favor, and it's about a shy and bookish, kind of awkward um, woman, Lily Green, and her family is like all about Black excellence, and they push and they work hard, and she always kind of feels a little bit left behind and like she doesn't meet the standard. She really wants to be a children's book editor, but she's been stuck in nonfiction. So she works in publishing and she has a favorite author. Um, He writes fantasy novels and she writes an email and they kind of start emailing back and forth. And then of course um, she ends up meeting her new neighbor. It turns out he's the fantasy author who's been using a pen name this whole time. So that setup sounds very slightly like spoiler alert by Olivia Dade, where these two characters have this online relationship where they're writing fan fiction and they know each other through that forum and that community and that back and forth relationship. And then they meet in real life and they start dating and they don't know that that's who they are. So I like when romance authors add some of those really layered elements to their plots and it can just get really twisty and complicated when you're unraveling those stories and trying to figure out how they're going to make it work. So that is The Neighbor Favor by Christina Forrest if you're looking for a very bookish contemporary romance this spring. All right. March 7th is a big day for book releases. So one of the big ones that is going to be hitting shelves March 7th is Pineapple Street by Jenny Jackson. So for the, a little bookish behind the scenes, Jenny Jackson is a big time editor and I believe a vice president at um, one of the Penguin Random House imprints. I think it's Knopf. She, it is Knopf. She's Cormac McCarthy's editor. She's Gabrielle Zevin's editor. She's, um, she is like at the top, the tippy top of the book world and she had never written her own novel before. This is her debut and apparently like came as a huge surprise to all of her authors that she is a writer herself. I mean, she had never talked about that with them. I feel like I have my like little like curious antennae up about this one because I'm just like, did she get this deal because she's like one of the biggest people in the book world? Or is this book right. going to be genuinely excellent? Because it got a huge, I think it got a a like seven-figure deal. It's already been Ooh. optioned for the screen rights. And I, I've seen some people read and enjoy it. Um, I haven't gotten my hands on a copy of this yet. So Pineapple Street, it's about a wealthy family in Brooklyn Heights. Um if you have read like the cut articles about the Grace Church preschool stuff in Brooklyn Heights or some of those like they they're always doing profiles of the uber wealthy of this community and I like can't get enough. This is the novelization <laughs> of those articles. It's about a very wealthy family, um two sisters and then a sister-in-law who came from a more middle class upbringing and has married into this family. And one of the sisters kind of grows into some like, you know, social convictions where she's not sure she feels good about her level of wealth and what is she going to do about that? And so this is like a, it's a, you know, wealthy family story. I haven't read it yet. To me, I'm like, is it going to offer anything new or interesting on that topic? I don't know. Or is it going to be like a fun B-trade? I'm not sure, but I feel like this is going to be one of the books that I'm going to feel the need to read just to weigh in on, even if it doesn't Mm -hmm. sound like totally my cup of tea. So Pineapple Street, are you planning on reading that one, do you think? 
Yes. The cover is really fun. The blurb says smart, escapist, and witty. So I'm hopeful that it's one of those like page-turning literary reads Mm -hmm. that those are perfect for summer when you want something with that like great writing, but also you want something that you can't put down. So I'm, yeah, I'm intrigued. And I'm also curious now that you told me the backstory, you know, it, it might be both. I'm sure it might be both connections had something to do with that. That's always easier. But but if you've been editing that great writing, exactly. Like you have to yeah. know a lot about like what makes. But I, I guess I'm like so curious, like, is this what is this book going to feel like? Is it going to feel like a sort of literary Frankenstein's monster mm-hmm. almost where it's like somebody who knows what's successful puts mm-hmm. everything in? I don't know. what, But does that matter? If it's a great read, it probably doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm so curious about this. And I'm really excited about all of the conversation around it, too, because it's going to be a big one. Just looking to see who narrates. Oh, it's um, Marin Ireland is the audiobook narrator. Oh, well, I might try to get it that way then. And I like her. So, yeah. All right. This is a departure from our fiction heavy list here, but I'm really curious about Saving Time by Jenny O'Dell. I have heard great things about her first book, How to Do Nothing. I haven't read it yet, but I've seen some readers really, really enjoy it. And I think that that one's kind of a kind of a social critique um, of our productivity culture. But this one is Saving Time, Discovering a Life Beyond the Clock. I loved 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman, and this sounds like it might be in conversation with that book in a really interesting way. So Jenny O'Dell, just basically the question is, yes, we should separate ourselves from constantly scrolling, from constantly taking things in, and we need to have time to quiet our brains. But what if we don't actually have that time, or it feels like we don't have that time to spend on cutting the noise. Um, And so she instead takes a deep dive into time itself and how time is set up as a societal structure for us. And rather than giving productivity tips for like how to make more time in your life, how to be more efficient, because that's what a lot of these nonfiction books are. Um, It's not time management. It's more how can we think in a different philosophical way about time that helps us perceive our days differently. That's exactly what I found in 4,000 Weeks that I really liked. And it, it sounds like that's what we've got here. So the blurb says, saving time tugs at the seams of reality as we know it and rearranges the way we experience time itself and a life that doesn't revolve around work, the office clock, or profit. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in reading that one. So that is Saving Time by Jenny O'Dell. I'm really curious about that one too. My next one might pair with that one kind of thematically. It's called by the publisher, an epic poem, but it's not epic like the Odyssey. It is a narrative poem and it is about an unnamed narrator Um, meandering through the world and noticing things, which just sounds like the type of poetry I love. It is called In Springtime, and it's by Sarah Blake. I've really enjoyed Sarah Blake's novels, um, Nama and Clean Air, but I've never read her poetry. And so I'm really excited about about this one. Um, And the... Uh, The blurb says that in springtime will take you into a magical world without using any magic at all, just the strangeness of the woods. And I'm really looking forward to exploring some poetry. Last month I read Couplets, which was another novel in verse. Um, And I've been enjoying that kind of reading that requires me to slow down and read things multiple times. So that's In Springtime by Sarah Blake. And then another March 7th release that I'm really looking forward to is Burnham Wood by Eleanor Catton, mostly because I just finished The Luminaries, which Catton 
won the Booker Prize for and was totally blown away by it. And I just, I'm so excited to see what she's got for us next. The So far, I'm only like 20 pages into Burnham Wood. The writing is totally different, but just as keenly observant. I think anybody who enjoyed Middlemarch might get a lot out of the luminaries, but also I can see echoes of that in Burnham Wood as well. She's just a writer. We we talk a little bit about how there's that, you know, there's that saying of that we hear all the time, show don't tell. But then when we revisit some classic literature, those authors do a great job of narratively, their narrators tell you some interesting um, observations about the world and the characters in ways that just feel so resonant. And they do a good job showing as well, but we sometimes like the telling in our reading. And Eleanor Catton does that. And so Burnham Wood is about a like collective of environmental activists who maybe veers into the illegal and even the violent in order to get their message across. It's set in New Zealand and it's pretty long, but not the epic that the luminaries is. And it's not structured like a Victorian novel. So I think this would be a great entry point into her writing, even for those who maybe have tried the luminaries and and struggled. So um, I, I think it is a literary mystery, but more emphasis on the literary than the mystery. So Burnham Wood. And of course, it's got that great Macbeth reference in the title that I think will appeal to a lot of our listeners as well. All right. Um, We have a couple of other March 7th reads, but maybe we'll toss those in our newsletter or something as as a couple little bonus recommendations because there's just so much to get to. So on March 14th, um, a couple of books that we're really looking forward to. I didn't read Dear Edward, Sarah, did you? Yes, and I did not like it. Okay. So, but I'm still I'm still curious about this one. <laughs> so, Anne Napolitano um, wrote Dear Edward, and now this next book um, that's coming out is called Hello Beautiful. I've heard really good things about it, and Me too. I've heard that it's very different from Dear Edward. It's a Little Women retelling, but it's yeah. that's not what's featured in the marketing at all. I would never have guessed just looking at blurbs or um, like early reviews or anything like that, that it was a Little Women retelling, except that other readers have mentioned it. So, and maybe I'm just not looking in the right places. Maybe in other places it's being pitched as the Little Women retelling, but it is supposed to be just like really gorgeously written um, it's, it's not a little women retelling in the sense of like, a told from a different character. It's not like, um, is it Geraldine Brooks who has, um, the yeah. mm-hmm. March retelling? Yep. It's not like that. It's, um, it's just a modern day family story and echoes of little women run through it. So if you like multi-generational stories, I think that this is definitely one to look for if you, Love Little Women. Obviously, this seems like a good one to try. So Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. I have a feeling a lot of our Classics Club readers are going to be into this one and interested in discussing it. And I will be very curious to hear from them whether they love it or not. I I'm I think I'm going to try this one um, in spite of my feelings about Dear Edward. So another... March 14th release is How to Think Like a Woman by Reagan Penaluna. I started this one last night, actually. This is nonfiction. It is a memoir, but also a philosophy book. First of all, the cover is fantastic. And the subtitle is Four Women Philosophers Who Taught Me How to Love the Life of the Mind. And this is not a spoiler in the like opening um, essay she talks about how she got a PhD in philosophy without ever having studied a woman philosopher and how hostile philosophy departments are to women. She talks about 
being one of two women in a graduate level philosophy class and the professor having them participate in an intellectual exercise where they just they just suppose that women aren't as inte- naturally intelligent as men. Like let's just take that as a starting point and think through some of these ideas like that kind of level or type of thinking happening throughout her her degree. And she she's basically left academia at the start of this and she is writing this book as like a love letter to philosophy as a study, but also a reprimand of philosophy departments. So it's very much a memoir about that. And then she is going to build in, as the title suggests, the way she's come to know and love these four women philosophers, including Mary Wollstonecraft. So I, I'm i just at the part where she's kind of talking about her history with the field and I'm looking forward to getting into these women philosophers, but I already am loving this book. Um, I think it will be a hit for a lot of our our listeners. And I just, I love to see nonfiction get this kind of attention. I love nonfiction like this that blends social critique and personal memoir and like something that the author's an expert in their field. In. Agree. So very excited to read that one. Have you been listening to it or are you reading it? I've been listening to it and it's not narrated by the author, but the narrator is great. So yeah, I enjoy it. Good to know. Okay. Um, That's all we have on our list for March 14th, but you have an exciting title coming out on the 21st. Yeah. So I loved, and I, uh, I paired this way back in our Odyssey episode, a little book called Signs Preceding the End of the World by Yuri Herrera. And it was like this border crossing novel with a little bit of otherworldliness or almost like a dark magical feel without it being fantasy. It was so good, but I haven't read anything else by Yuri Herrera yet. But coming out from Grey Wolf on March 21st is a collection of... Um, short stories of his called 10 planets. And, um, there's going to be speculative. I, I don't know what more to say about a collection of short stories other than like, this is a translated collection (laughs) by one of like the most revered authors in Mexico. And I loved the previous novella so much that I have a feeling he will excel at a short story. So, um, I requested an early copy and I hope I'll be reading 10 planets soon. There's a lot of variety here already. Like we've had fiction and nonfiction. So I am excited um, to keep going and see what other variety we can offer everyone. This next title that I'm excited about is, okay, this is for our readers who loved reading Lonesome Dove and are interested in Westerns and also found themselves really interested in conversations around genre fiction because this is a blend of historical fiction, literary fiction, and horror. And it is set out West. It is about Adelaide Henry, and she's got this giant steamer trunk that she carries with her whatever wherever she goes. What is in the steamer trunk? I already want to know. I'm just going <laughs> to read this so I know what's in the steamer trunk, and I bet it's something scary. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, when the trunk is opened, people disappear. So she keeps it locked at all times. I don't know what's in that trunk, but this is interesting. So this is 1914. She's got this steamer trunk um, and she needs to flee home. So she goes to Montana to be a homesteader. And of course, she's got to take the trunk with her. Um, She's going to be one of the, quote, lone women um, who were offered land to be homesteaders um, and farm it. But she's got secrets following her. So I am really, really interested in this one. It's 300 pages, so it's a nice, tight novel. Um, Victor Laval is the author. Lone Women is the title. And Victor Laval also wrote The Changeling. He's like a pretty up-and-coming, well-known author in the horror community. This one, like I know it is horror, but I think that I can handle it. I'm not 100% sure. But 
since it's got the historical and literary blend, I think I think I'm going to go for it. Yeah, I I had always been curious about the Changeling, but I hadn't read it. But I did love his book, totally different, but Destroyer, which is his like graphic novel reimagining of Frankenstein. Um, so I'm really curious about this one too. And the cover is very striking. All right, Chelsea, I didn't know that there was a new Clint Smith coming out in March, but you put it in our outline. Do you want to share a little bit about it? Yeah, I was surprised too. (laughs) (laughs) I was surprised by this too, but then I read the, um, the description and I knew that I had to put it on here. So it's expected to publish March 28th. So is Lone Women. I don't know. I don't remember if we said the date of that yet, but it is a um, new poetry collection from Clint Smith. He's the author of How the Word is Passed. You might have seen it on a bunch of book award lists over the last year or two. And this one traverses the emotional terrain of fatherhood. Um, And this poetry collection is about how becoming a parent altered his perception of the world around him. There are poems in here about just like the wonder of watching your child learn something and you getting to discover something through your child's eyes. There are poems about legacy and, you know, generational stuff being passed down about joy and despair. And it just seems like a really beautiful, intimate collection about parenthood. And so I'm very, very excited to pick this one up. It is Above Ground by Clint Smith. Okay. Still March 28th. Um, I'm very excited about Cursed Bread by Sophie McIntosh, which has a great cover with a bottle of wine and a hunk of bread. And I, um, if not liked, really admired her book, The Water Cure. I loved the writing. I thought it was weird and intriguing. Um, and so I am curious about her, this next one. There actually, she had a book in between the two that I didn't get around to, but this one is short and I love also a short, strange book. So this book uh, revolves around an unsolved, a real unsolved mystery of the 1951 mass poisoning of a French village. So the back cover copy says that this is about a town still reeling from um, aftermath of World War II, and that this the town kind of afterwards had some mass illness, mass hallucinations, and historians think that maybe it was caused by spoiled bread. I think we talked about this kind of uh, historical interpretation when we talked about the crucible, um, and I love this stuff. And so Sophie McIntosh is reimagining this through the story of um, a woman named Elodie, who is the baker's wife. Um, and so it's it's being pitched as a dangerous game of cat and mouse. But who is the predator and on whom did they prey? Um, I think this sounds so good. I It sounds odd, but I love this type of historical fiction that's told based on a true story, but also like highly inventive. So that is Cursed Bread and it's out March 28th. All right, let's get into April, Chelsea. What, or that was April. I'm sorry. That oh, book, yeah. <laughs> Cursed Bread comes out April 4th. Um, what else do you have on your April list? We should have mentioned anyway that dates are still subject oh, to change. Yes. <laughs> Great point. <laughs> I, as I was dropping titles in here, I was looking from my notebook where I keep a couple of like anticipated reads lists and already some things had changed. So just know production is still weird where books are concerned and everything is concerned. So anyway, yes, April 4th. Oh, Sarah, I'm so excited about this one. And I know I said something about like having us having a more fiction heavy list earlier, but I feel like spring is really bringing the nonfiction now that we're yeah, getting through I've our noticed list that a little too. bit more. Yeah. And maybe that's, maybe that's the time of year, you know, publishing runs on sort of a seasonal schedule where you see a lot of like literary fiction come out in the fall and 
big beach reads come out in the summer. And so maybe, maybe there's something about memoir in the spring. I don't know. I'd be curious to, to ask someone in publishing, but this one very excited for it is a living remedy by Nicole Chung. I read all you can ever know by Nicole Chung a few years back, thought it was beautiful, stunning. All right. So this one, it, the, the blurb says that this is a searing memoir of class inequality and grief. So Nicole Chung, she graduated from high school. She was in a very white town in Oregon. And so then she goes all the way to the East Coast because she's like, she wants to get as far away from her hometown as possible. And so she just escapes that and she's raising a family in a totally different way, um, in a very middle class world. And she is just kind of like thinking about how she, when she grew up, it was a stretch to afford things and now she can afford things and that can really do a number on your mind. Um, and she's got a lot of grief around that grief around the financial insecurity she had when she was younger grief around, um, her parents and their access to healthcare. And, um, there, there are a lot of content things to flag here. If you are dealing with loss of a parent or cancer diagnosis, um, I, I, there's just, there's a lot that she's exploring in here. It's a tearjerker. Um, our friend from the Stacks podcast, Tracy Thomas, gave this five stars, said it made her cry already on page 28. If that's any indicator, that's like, that's when the tears start. Um, and just that this is beautiful and devastating. And so um, I'm very excited to read this one, but also I think I'm going to have to be like in the right emotional place for it. So A Living Remedy by Nicole Chung, beautiful, moving memoir. All right, Chelsea, what is your next anticipated release? This is one that I read already, but I'm still oh yay really excited for it to come out, for everyone to read it. It is Yours Truly by Abby Jimenez, and it's on, uh, is it like the Publishers Weekly list? It's on one of, oh, it's on the Indie Next list for April, and Abby Jimenez got really excited about that because that's like a really big honor in the book world. And especially if you love independent bookstores. So I'm very excited for her and for this book. This book, Sarah, oh my gosh, this book like squeezed my heart so hard. (laughs) It broke me apart and put me back together again. I do think that there's a small part of this book that some people might really hate, but I'm hoping that they are able to get past it. I loved the book so much that nothing bothered me, but that would be too spoilery to get into. So I, I'm just curious to see like what the conversation is about the book. So this is about two ER doctors and one of them is new to the hospital. And so they start out having a little bit of like it's not an enemies to lovers plotline, but there is a little bit of like that tension at the beginning, but it's really just like mistaken angst, <laughs> misplaced angst. And they start writing notes to each other. So there's like this little bit of an epistolary element in here, but it feels really realistic. What bothers me about a lot of epistolary romances is it's like, okay, well, I emailed this person or I started texting this person. It just like immediately goes to a really vulnerable place. This is just through the notes, they become friends and then friends turns into a fake relationship and then a fake relationship turns into a real relationship. And all the tropes. Yeah. (laughs) But Abby Jimenez writes in a very grounded, realistic way that I think a lot of people who don't always love rom-coms or light and breezy romance can really appreciate. There is, so the male main character struggles with anxiety. And I sometimes have a hard time reading books about characters with anxiety because it makes me anxious. Like it triggers my anxiety, but his anxiety and the representation here was so close to how I have experienced anxiety in the last couple of years that it 
was healing for me to read and for me to realize because I always diminish my anxiety because I've dealt with it since I was little for me to realize like how bad it actually was and how strong I've been for dealing with it Um, just because of like how this main character navigates it and like shapes his life around his his mental health. So that was one piece of it. I really liked the um, female main character in this book. She's like a really um, just a great doctor and friend. And her brother um, is dealing with chronic illness and needs a kidney transplant. So there are a lot of like weighty things in here. We've got the the anxiety. We've got the chronic illness. We've got being a caretaker. Um, there's, there's a lot grounding this, but it's also swoon worthy. And there are funny moments, like there are moments where I genuinely laughed out loud. And so I wouldn't call this a rom-com just because there are such heavy moments, but it's to me the perfect blend of the lighthearted and the heavy and the romance and women's fiction. So I loved this book. It is Yours Truly by Abby Jimenez, and it's out April 11th. All right. Well, I have a couple books coming out April 18th that I am looking forward to. Um, My first one is Greek Lessons by Han Kang. And I've only read uh, The Vegetarian, which was like weird and eerie and the writing is amazing. And this book sounds very different. This is um, a book about a woman living in Seoul, taking, you guessed it, Greek lessons. (laughs) And her language teacher is this like quiet, reserved man who she finds herself, they mutually just find themselves like kind of obsessing or just really drawn to the other person. And her language teacher is is going blind. The the woman at the heart of the story is kind of facing her own big cataclysmic change. And they're they just meet each other at the exact right time. I I can't tell from the back, and I'm glad kind of that I can't tell from the back copy if this is going to be a romantic love story or just like an intimate a platonic love story. But either way, it sounds like a book that's really just about connection and meeting someone at the right time when you really need to be uh, be seen and known. And I um, love Hong King's writing. And so I'm really looking forward to this one. It's also 190 pages. I've been loving kind of poetic short fiction recently. And so I think this one is going to be great for me. I haven't read it yet, but I do have a copy and I anticipate reading it before the release date. So keep an eye out for a review from me. Do you have any April 18th books? I have one. And this is maybe my most anticipated book of 2023, hands down. Okay. Well, tell us. Tell us all about it. (laughs) Uh, I love J. Ryan Stradall. And I have read his previous two novels and loved them. He wrote Kitchens of the Great Midwest and The Logger Queen of Minnesota. And in April, he has a new book coming out. It is Saturday Night at the Lakeside Supper Club. And I have an advanced copy, but I've been saving it to read on vacation. So I'm going to read it soon. I'm really excited. And if you live in the Midwest, especially in Wisconsin or Minnesota, you know what a supper club is and you can smell the air of a supper club and you can picture exactly what it is in your mind's eye. (laughs) So I'm very excited about all of the Midwestern atmosphere that he brings to his novels. He's so good at writing characters and families. And this, this might sell you on it, Sarah. Roxanne Gay rated it five stars on Goodreads, and her review is, this is a perfect book. Whoa. You know, I have to say, I don't always agree with Roxanne Gay's, Roxanne Gay's book reviews, but that still will tempt me to, yeah, I haven't read any of his books. I know people love them, and 
to me, I just worry that they're going to be too saccharine. But I I know that's not the case. No, not at all. I just need to get over the hump. They are warm, but it's a Midwestern warmth. And I don't know how to explain that other than Midwestern people can be really cold, but they can also be (laughs) extremely warm and loving. And so um, I think that because you like complicated family stories, you would really Mm -hmm. like actually probably Kitchens of the Great Midwest. I also really like the structure of that one, but I think – you, they're not connected at all. You can absolutely just pick this book up, but I will read it and I will let you know if I think that you would like it. But okay, I, I mean, I don't always 100% agree with Roxanne Gay's book reviews either, but that review is yeah. like big. Um, and I'm just really excited. I'm also going to go to um, an event and see him in Wisconsin and hopefully get my book signed and get to meet him in person because he's truly one of my favorite authors of all time. Very excited. Okay. I, that sounds sounds great. And I think you've convinced me to try his books because I actually have been, I've been reading a lot of heavy fiction lately, which I feel great about because it took me a while after having Louise to want to read those types of books that I typically am drawn to. But I've tried a couple like books because I've been looking for something warmer, not, not light and fluffy, mm-hmm. but yes, warm, I think is the perfect word. And just nothing has felt right. Everything's annoyed me. Mm. And this sounds like it might, it might do it. So I'm going to try. All right. Report my, back. <laughs> I will. <laughs> okay. My, my next one also out April 18th is The Wager, A Tale of Shipwreck. Mutiny and Murder by David Gran. Is this on your list to buy for Curtis? Because no, it but be. it sounds like it'd be perfect. So um uh, Curtis, let me don't listen to this. You... I'm gonna get it for you for your birthday. Let me show you the cover. Oh yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah. And he's uh, Curtis has <laughs> been singing a lot of sea shanties to Theo because <laughs> like in the bathtub and stuff. And also Theo has a cardboard box that we pretend is his boat. <laughs> So I think that a shipwreck book would be like just perfectly representative for this funny time in our lives. (laughs) Okay. Well, let me read you the, uh, the cover copy because this is, there's too much detail in this to summarize. I will say I, I love David Grant. I read the last city of Z loved it. I read the killers of the flower moon. Amazing. I did not realize he had, I thought I was a completist, but he has another book called the devil and Sherlock Holmes, which I would like to read. So the wager is here's the here's the um the description. On January 28th, 1742, a ramshackle vessel of patched together wood and cloth washed up on the coast of Brazil. Inside were 30 emaciated men barely alive and they had an extraordinary tale to tell. Okay, it, it just it goes on from there, but I think that's really all you need to know if to know if you're going to want to pick this up or not. And you should know that David Grant's just an incredible writer who, I mean, his books are like the definition of narrative nonfiction. You get completely absorbed and lost in these stories. I got an advanced copy of this book. I immediately handed it to Miles because he also loves David Grant and he loved it. He was like staying up late every night reading. I'd be be going to bed and Miles would be like, I have to check in with my crew, see see how they're doing. So uh, yeah. So it made me really even more excited to read it, even though this is like probably the least compelling uh, topic of David Grand's to me so far. Then Miles loved it so much. And I was like, okay, it sounds, sounds like a page turner of nonfiction. And I'm really excited to pick it up now. So that's The Wager. And it is out April 18th. I want to read that now too. I know. I know. It sounds so good, right? Yeah. Okay. I really like that. (laughs) All right. So let's share a couple. We're going to get into May a little bit. Let's just share our two um, picks from May 2nd. And then in the middle of May, we will release our anticipated summer episode. And so we'll include a couple of May releases on, on that list for you all. So we have more anticipated reads coming. Don't worry. I'm really excited. Sarah, did you read The Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Bully? 
Yeah, I did. I really liked it. It is a YA thriller and Mm -hmm. I just thought it was really, really good. I know you're not a big mystery fan, but what did you think of that one? I liked it. I, yeah, I, I thought the, yeah, I just wasn't very compelled by the mystery, I guess. Yeah. I would have rather read about the same characters doing something else. That's how I often feel in a mystery. But, I mean, that's that's not the point of this book. <laughs> not every writer has right, to, right. Right to please me. So I think this was like a very well done mystery um, and a great work of YA. So I am in support. Yeah. So Warrior Girl Unearthed is the new one. And it is set in the same world um, with kind of like the same family uh, in the same area as the Firekeeper's daughter. And it's another YA mystery about a native teen. And it's about Perry Firekeeper Birch. And she is ready to just relax in the summertime. But then she gets in a little car accident and she has to pay her aunt back for car repairs. And so she's in this uh, summer program with (laughs) – they call themselves the team of misfit toys. um, And they're doing like obstacle courses and um, just, I don't know, doing summer teen things. Um, but then she goes and she attends a local meeting and she learns about the warrior girl who is one of her ancestors or one of her tribe's ancestors whose bones and knife are stored in museum archives. And she just gets this fire under her to return those bones to the proper tribe. And so she wants to help. And so she like learns about the proper laws. She um, investigates some of the legalities and she's just determined to like use all of these things at her disposal. Um, But then she realizes, okay, well, maybe this won't all work. There's too much red tape to cut through, possibly. And Sarah, this is where this one might hook you. Possibly. We need to perform a heist. Oh, I do love a heist. Yes. Not into a mystery, very into a heist. <laughs> so, so there are mystery and thriller elements here, but when when I saw the word heist pop up, I was like, maybe Sarah will actually be super into this one. So it sounds awesome. I think part of what I loved about The Firekeeper's Daughter, super well-written, and I love well-written YA. And yeah, this one's exciting to me. So um, that is Warrior Girl Unearthed by Angeline Bully, and it is uh, out early May, May 2nd. All right. My May 2nd pick is Chain Gang All-Stars by Nana Kwame Ajay-Brenya. I know you're excited yeah. about this one, too. Who isn't? I know. This is, well, speaking of Roxanne Gay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is her May book club pick. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I really... Enjoyed might be the wrong word about Friday Black, um, Ajay Brenya's short story collection, but I was wowed by it. Some of the short stories were extremely challenging and provocative in a way that I felt like uncomfortable with, but I just appreciated and respected every story in that collection. And I think that this book is also going to be challenging and provocative, but I think I know Ajay Brenya can pull it off. And so I'm really excited to read it. So this is a, this is a novel, but the, um, the publisher is calling it a kaleidoscopic novel. And whenever they use that word kaleidoscopic, it makes me think there's like a bunch of points of view and it might read a little bit like vignettes or a collection of stories from different perspectives. I'm not totally sure, but um, it follows two main characters who are part of this this group called the Chain Gang All-Stars, which is which are a um, a group of prisoners as part of the Criminal Action Penal Entertainment, or CAPE, which is a highly popular, highly controversial profit-raising program in America's prison systems. And they basically take these prisoners and travel around the country 
and have fights to the death for entertainment. And one of the main characters, um, she is, she, she performs, she fights with alongside her, um, her lover and she is close to getting released after just a few matches. Um, her lover is not, and there's like this, obviously, well, there's a lot there, (laughs) but, um, she is kind of thinking about like what, what her next phase in life is going to be. What's her next step going to be? How is she going to, um, move past what she's been through? But the book, in addition to following these two characters, looks at like some of the, um, the guards in the system, some of the like top executives who like manage this program, some of the protesters who go from arena to arena, match to match, protesting outside that, you know, the, this is horrible and inhumane. So I I do think it's going to be a broad look at like this dystopian imagined um, reality, but also sounds like a, a kind of intimate story about two people in a relationship as well within the confines of this dystopia. So sounds good. <laughs> sounds uh, provocative. And I, I just, I love it when writers just like go for it. Mm-hmm. They're just, just like, and it, this really sounds like that. And no surprise given the stories in Friday Black and I'm really eager to read it. So it's Chain Gang All-Stars and it's out May 2nd. There are so many more great spring books. I wish that this could be a two-hour long episode. But readers, we can't wait to hear which books you're looking forward to this season. Remember, these are books that we have not read, mostly. There are a couple that Sarah and I read on this list. But we're relying on you to tell us what you're looking forward to as well. So tell us on Instagram at Novel Pairings Pod, or you can join our community of readers for contemporary and classic book talk. If you're looking for backlist recommendations to pair with today's buzzy new books, you can join us on Patreon and we'll have special bonus content coming soon with some of those backlist recs. In our Patreon community, we share classes, bonus episodes, and other delightfully nerdy content to enhance your reading experience. Our group of smart and kind readers is eager to welcome even more nerdy bookworms to our discussions, so join us anytime and access our catalog of past classes and upcoming events. Our Patreon community also keeps the show running by funding everything we need to record, plan, read, research, and produce the podcast. For instance, I'm recording on a new mic today, thanks to our Patreon community. And we're so grateful for all of your support. So go to patreon.com slash novel pairings and sign up today. Thank you to Miles Eichner and Mark Anderson for our theme music. Next time, we'll be back to discuss Catherine Called Birdie by Karen Cushman. Until then, we declare after all, there is no enjoyment like reading. How much sooner one tires of anything than of a book.